Welcome to episode 7 of Everything Else, the entertainment podcast series produced by NBC10 Boston. I'm your host, Ray Fischetti. If you're not familiar with the show, I start each episode off by introducing the guests and a list of band topics that are based on what you probably expect me to ask them about. For this episode, we spoke to Matt Brown. If you don't know Matt's story, he gained attention 10 years ago when a collision during a Norwood High School hockey game left him paralyzed from the shoulders and chest down. Since then, Matt's inspired a ton of people by graduating from college and writing a book. He's even participated in both the Boston and New York marathons multiple times with his friend Lucas Carr pushing him to the finish line and has been honored by local pro sports teams including the Boston Bruins. With it being 10 years since his accident, Matt decided to launch a charity that will assist others with similar conditions. NBC 10 Boston Shannon Miller sat down with him for a TV interview to discuss the upcoming launch of his charity, and you can watch it online by going to NBC10Boston.com and searching Matt Brown. This episode serves as a companion piece to that as we spoke to Matt about everything else he's had going on in life in the years since his accident to get to know him on a more personal level. He was very inspiring to talk to. I really enjoyed this episode, and I know you will too. All right, Matt, thanks for having us today, man. No, guys, thank you for, uh, thank you for being here. Of course. Uh, so this is going to be a companion piece to something else NBC is doing. It's going to focus on your charity in the 10 years since your accident. But today we're going to uh, talk about things you don't normally get to talk about and get to know you as a person. Peel back the onion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So typically with this show, we have three band topics that are really obvious. But for today, I just thought we'd do one where we kind of don't talk about the specifics of your accident and just talk more about you and your mm-hmm. life and things you've been through Yeah, and who you are today. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. So kind of playing off that, I mean, you've received a lot of media attention. Yeah. You've had a lot of interviews. Is there things that people have asked you that you kind of just don't want to answer anymore that you're sick of? No. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I, I One of the biggest things we were taught, uh, not taught, but told, um, you know, you know, when I first got hurt was that, you know, don't, ta- don't turn down media. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll keep the story... Uh, fresh in people's minds, so that you know when there comes a day you can have fundraise, that people know the story, they're you know inclined to the story. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that comes up a lot is like how is physical therapy going? And you know, obviously it's slower than uh, a lot slower than you know I would I would have hoped. Um, so you know, people ask like you know how's the progress going? How's the progress going? And you know, I, I'd love to tell them, good. You know, I'm up walking and I'm and I'm running around. Uh, but it, it's tough that, you know, when it's it's not going as fast as I want it to go. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I tell them that, you know, my body's healthy, um, you know, working on some core stuff. My arms are getting stronger. But, you know, I, I can't wait for the day that I tell them that it, it's, it's worked and it, it, it's all better. So I, I think the most frustrating part sometimes can be, uh, you know, how's physical therapy going when I, when I don't, when I can't answer the question the way I want, the way I want to. So it's more so not the question, but because you can't give the answer. You exactly. Like Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. With the life you have, do people ever treat you a certain way that you kind of feel like, I wish you would just talk to me like everyone else? No, you know, it's, it's my friends, you know, this, we have close friends and family that no one sees a chair anymore. They took them a, f- a few weeks to stop seeing the chair and they just see me as me. And, you know, we, we rib each other. We uh, make fun of each other. We laugh. We, uh, we joke. Um, I, I think there's there's some people out there that just, you know, don't know how to, you know, approach someone in a wheelchair, which I I didn't, you know, 11 years ago. I, I, I had no idea. Um, and I think there's a nervousness of, uh, I don't know what to do, but in my situation, you know, I'm the same person. Um, 
So it, it's sometimes tough that you see like people um, maybe hesitant, hesitant. So my biggest thing was, and I learned this kind of when I went down to Stonehill, was that I didn't, I made it a point to, you know, strike up a conversation, be the first one to reach out to them and say, kind of show them that, oh, he's, 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 he's himself and he's just in a wheelchair. Um, so I, I think it's, it's tough that sometimes people don't know how to you know, strike up that conversation at first. Um, but my biggest thing is that, you know, I try to start that conversation and, you know, break that barrier that they might be hiding behind. And I, I did that a lot at Stonehill when I first got down there thinking, you know, I'm going to need to meet friends somehow. Um, and I, uh, I remember I was so nervous going down to Stonehill that I thought I was going to lose like all that support I had in Norwood and in the hockey community. Uh, but no, like just that, that soon, soon disappeared just by breaking a few barriers and then everyone worked, worked out around and it's like, Oh, he's, he's just like us. That was actually something I wanted to get into in this interview was just going to college for you. I know you were so excited about that. Like, how was that experience going? It, it was, you know, it was the best, the best four years of my life and the best decision, best decision I made. And I remember going down there, you know, moving in. Uh, one of my best friends from home was my roommate, and we were roommates all four years. Um, but that first week, first two weeks, I truly thought I made the wrong decision. You know, I, I went a year and a half, you know, two years with you know, mom and dad, you know, you know, basically my caretakers. And you get that independence down there. It's like, geez, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Um, and I was sick to my stomach, you know, staring at the ceiling at night thinking, I just, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, and then, you know, like you, you come home that first, it was a Columbus day. You come home, you're like, oh, thank God I'm home. Um, you know, I, I don't think I wanted to come home for winter break. I, I, and it just got better and better each day, each week, and, um, you know, itching to get back there at the end of the, at the, at the end of the, that first summer off, um, meeting some of the most amazing people, um, some great, great friends. Um, but the biggest thing that you got to realize is that I did not, by any means, you know, go through it alone. I had such help from uh, a one-on-one aide, Patrick Lee, uh, my roommate, my roommates when we uh, moved into our suite, uh, nurses and facilities and academic services they they just if I needed something they said what do you need let's, let's figure out how we're going to do it and I, I was really lucky in that in that sense that I um I really had a great team down there that really got me through those four years so going to school as you said you were nervous and you might thought you made the wrong decision terrified what uh obviously it worked out did that teach you anything that you applied to other parts of your life like I can take these challenges on and absolutely you know I I realized that I was capable of so much more than I thought. Down there, I was 95% dependent on other people. Um, but that 5% per, that five percent of independence that I got back was huge. Uh, it was huge for my well, my mental well-being, uh, being my, my physical well-being. I realized that I could do so much more than I thought I could. And then just in general, like day-to-day, like uh, what's a typical day like for you? Right now? Um, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm up early. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm at uh, physical therapy over at Journey Forward in Canton from 8.30 to 10.30. Um, uh, this, you know, this spring, I am taking an online class for my master's. Uh, so I you know, we come home, uh, try to get some of that work done, uh, grab some lunch, you know, answer some emails like we're doing with uh, trying to get uh, as soon as the foundation with the website, um, hang out, you know, see what's on TV see what I'm watching on Netflix. Um, 
Tuesday and Thursdays, I like to sleep in a little bit later, uh, <laughs> a little bit later. And then depending upon the Bruins are playing, uh, come down here and w watch a game downstairs. Uh, weekends, it's, you know, uh, see what the boys are up to on Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, whether we're staying local, going up to a Patriots place, going into Boston, and uh, trying to stay out of trouble uh, <laughs> for the most part. In the fall, Sundays, it's uh, no, I park uh, my I park my chair right behind the uh, the couch, and I I have a uh, what we call like a balcony seat. Down here is the, are the loge seats, and so we're watching football from you know one to eight. And hopefully the Pats don't have an eight o'clock game because then it then we're here you know uh, one to midnight and you know. Clorox the entire basement by the end of the night, um, <laughs> but no, it's uh you know we 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 have a normal day. Uh, we uh we laugh, joke, you know, smile, and just go day by day, hour by hour. So you get a good circle. You have friends with absolutely, yeah. absolutely. There's a uh, there's a group message of us, and there's probably 14 of us that we graduated high school with, um, and it, depending upon the day, depending upon what's going on, you could have 500 to a thousand messages go through a day, <laughs> just guys ripping on each other. Um, talking about sports, um, fantasy football was a big one this year, um, and then I have a great group um, of college buddies that uh, I, me and my roommate moved into a uh, junior and senior dorm my uh, junior and senior year, and uh, there was a suite of 14 of us. It was me and my roommate, uh, eight to ten kids on the hockey team, a couple kids on the baseball team, and a kid on the rugby team, and um, man, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, uh, so we have a great group, uh, both uh, home home guys and uh, uh, hometown guys and Stonehill guys. You said something that speaks to me, but uh, it sounds like roasting each other is a big part of the dynamic. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I saw this. Um, I saw this. Uh, it was a meme on uh, online the other day, and it was, you know, it's a group of guy friends and a group of girlfriends, and you know the girlfriends are you know talking about uh, each other, like how they love each other, and Kathy gets up and leaves, and they talk, they talk behind Kathy's back so bad how much they how much they don't like her and there's a uh, group the guy friends are, they're ripping on each other joking with each other and you know Peter gets up to leave Pete leaves and they're like we love Peter Peter's the best um, and, and that's really just the way uh, just the way we go it's um, we laugh uh, you know we push each other but push, push each other's buttons a lot um, but it's just it's just the way you know guys kind of be guys um, are most of the your buddies from the hockey team and stuff like that, um, or yeah, no, we got a we got a good group. There's probably five or six of the guys from the uh, hockey team, almost that whole senior class you know, that we really stick really stick together. And the guys that you know that we that might not be here every every weekend or uh, in that group message. There's a uh, we see them uptown, we see them in Boston, um, and then just a bunch of other guys we graduated with. Do you think maybe um, going through what your friends went through? have made you actually stay in touch more whereas yeah. usually people kind of drift away after high school a little more i i have multiple parts of this answer and that's a great question and my tenure was just uh was just a couple weeks ago and one of the buddies that wasn't on the hockey team uh uh you know texted me individually and said you know i you know we, we talked about you know just the last 10 years he said it's it's amazing that an injury like this and something like this i truly think brought us all together um Barcelona altogether in the long run, uh, which is really cool. Um, because when I was down at the Shepherd Center um, after leaving Children's after I got hurt in 2010, um, they came up and said, you know, uh, there's going to be a time where, you know, a year from now that all his friends are just going to 
kind of leave. They're, they're going to have enough. They're going to leave. And my mom heard that, and she thought to herself, she said, I don't think this is the group that's going to do that. And uh, truly, they've been they've been what's gotten me through. Uh, they've been a big part of what's gotten me through the last 10 years. And, um, you know, every time we get together, it's a, it's a belly full of laughs. We, we've gone to Vegas together. Um, we, we go down the Cape. We take trips together. Um, it's, it's, it's a fun, fun group of guys. Can you share any stories from Vegas or what stays in, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and definitely with this group, you know, with your accident, do you think there's anything that it actually taught you to appreciate more that maybe you wouldn't have? The, absolutely. I, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, it, it, it's, oof. um, you know, taking that, taking that what you have in front of you and not for granted. I, I remember um, talking to the hockey team that year after her. It's like, you know, play every shift like it's your last. Um, never be afraid to tell someone you love them. Um, um, just just let let each other know, like, you know, what you mean to them and, you know, what, what they mean to – I let them know what they mean to me. Um, but I think the biggest thing is that patience. You know, I got hurt at 15 – where patience and independence, you know, don't uh, don't go really hand in hand. It's you're trying to go to the beat of your own drum, um, you know, doing things your way. You're getting that little, getting older, um, right around the corner from being being an adult. You feel like, and uh, so 15 when that when that accident happens, and um, it it really was a sucker punch to, you know, to take everything a lot slower. And you know, we heard from a nurse that you know gave us a day by day is that. She comes in, just does her job, and at the end of the day, if it's all goes good, and you know, it was it was a, it was a success. So we don't think about the future, and you know, down the road, you know, what's going to happen in six months anymore. It's day by day, hour by hour. If you're having a good day, keep it up. If you're having a good hour, keep it up. If you're having a bad day or a bad hour, figure out what it is that you got to um, do to switch it up. Whether it's get outside, you know, hook up with some friends. You just got to figure out to, what it is to get back on the track. So I think patience is the biggest one that I had to learn uh, um, uh, at 15 years old. What are some things that keep you positive on days like that where you're feeling frustrated? Man, I, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint it to, you know, one thing. I, I think it's the fact that, you know, I have an unbelievable family. My mom, dad, and my sister are phenomenal. And they've been unbelievable since this, um, you know, the last 10 years. We have, an ex- we have my dad's one of eight, my mom's one of six, so we have, you know, plenty of aunts and uncles and cousins, and each one of them have just been great. Um, and and then this this group of friends that I have, I, I, I think it's the fact that they've made it so normal now uh, that like it's 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 a friend group, and I, I think they've they've been the ones that have kept me so positive. Is that because I can turn to them to talk to anything? But I know that with them, uh, we're gonna have a normal day. We're, we're gonna laugh, joke, go out, and 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 have fun. And I think I think that's when I know that if I ever need like a pick me up, they're a call away. To let's go out, let's blow off some steam. And I I realize that I am super super lucky with that. Just to give people a look into your life, like are are there challenges you have that people might not consider? that you have to deal with every day? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think, I think you, you see the physical, the physical, uh, limitations and the physical problems. And, um, but I, I, I think the mental, um, 
you know, the people, you know, think like, I'm sure it comes with that. I think you can hear that I have, have a great support system and I have some unbelievable friends and I'm positive, you know, 90% of the time, but those bad days creep in, um, bad days come. I, I sit and wonder why me a lot. And, um, um, what I've tried to do and I think, you know, make a point is that, you know, when those bad days come, snap out of them as quickly as you can. They don't linger. And with this group and my family, it's impossible for them to linger. You know, I, I think they know when something might be, you know, bothering me or, and, and they, they, I'm so lucky that they know what to say, when to say it, what to do, and, you know, how to snap me out of these things. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I'm extremely lucky that with this group that those bad days really, really are, are few and far between. Rather than get down yourself, you realize what you do have, the support system, yeah. these great people. And I think, you know, I, I, I got to, you got to understand, I, I understand that, um, that, you know, as bad as this was, it could have been so much worse. I could have had a higher injury. Um, I could have been on a vent, you know, vent dependent. Um, you know, I, I could have had a traumatic brain injury, you know, and I'm lucky that, you know, with, with this, you know, I'm still me, I'm still Matt and my friends see that. Um, so I, I realize that there's, I'm lucky and I know that there's people out there that have it worse than I do. Uh, when I talked to you earlier in the week about the charity, part of it was that you're aware of all the attention you've received and the help you've received, and you want to help people that don't have that attention. Is part of that uh, being there for them, like your people have been there for you? A hundred percent. I've um, through the last ten years, we've, you know, especially in those early years, it was wherever whatever we needed. Um, you know, felt like everywhere we turned, there was a, a hand being you know reached out to say, what can we do. Uh, um, you know, words of encouragement go so far. Um, they, they don't go unnoticed. And the thing that with along the last 10 years is that I've seen so many, you know, families that, and, and individuals that face the same thing I face, face the same thing my parents faced, um, face same thing our families faced, um, but there's no support there. And I think the last couple of minutes I've talked about how much a support system means. Um, so to not have one or not have one, uh, you know, not to be as lucky as I have been, it, that's where it's our turn. It's our time to come in, um, our turn to come in and see, you know, what do you need? What can we help you with? Um, and, and I'm super excited that we're right there. Um, this website's the last thing just to get us over the, uh, over the edge. And then it's really time to start um, you know, giving back to these uh, families and, and individuals. But it's clearly more than just helping with medical bills and. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It's um, you know, if 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 they, I've, this chair that I'm in now was given to me by the Boston Bruins Foundation, and my first van uh, was given to me like by the Travis Roy Foundation. Um, so it, it's it's us. It's time for us that if someone needs you know a piece of equipment in their house, um, you know stuff for medical bills, you know stuff a piece of equipment for themselves. You know, that's where we want to be there, but we also want to let them know that, you know, we're only a phone call away for uh, anything they might need to talk about or anything they might need. You probably get a little more attention because it's a sports-related injury yeah. as opposed to someone else who might have a, a different kind of accident and maybe no, doesn't we, get the attention. Yeah, I, I mean, I, we talked about it, you know, with when I was when I was writing my book with my co-author. My injury was sexy. I was a uh, I was in high school. Uh, you know, so I had yeah, that component to it. Um, I was playing hockey, yeah, that component to it. I think this injury hit home. You know, I was only 15, uh, high school. 
uh, in a tight-knit community like, like Norwood. Um, I, I, I was lucky on that end, too. I was lucky that, um, you know, it happened when it happened. And, and I think it, it was a draw for a lot of people to come out and support. So you talked about your book. Uh, we're fortunate enough today that uh, our producer here, Larry, his brother is Dennis, who was one of your nurses. Yeah. And he wrote a part of your book. Uh, I don't know if you can just talk a bit about your relationship with him and why it meant so much to you. You allowed him to write part of it. Oh, yeah. Dennis was um, Dennis was uh, the perfect fit for me um, at a time where I really needed a perfect fit. And um, I remember kind of coming out of that, you know, that medically induced kind of sleep I had. And, um, you know, Dennis was um, great. Immediately we were joking with each other, laughing with each other. Um, and one of the things about him is that he knew me right off the bat when I needed a break, when I needed the hockey team to come in to see me. Um, he knew me like the back of his own hand, which was amazing and a blessing at the same time because um, he was so important to us. He got he became really close with, uh, with the family. He had moved to Norwood a year before that, so he was kind of thrown into the mix of it, you know, right as uh, right away. Um, he was he was the perfect fit, and I, uh, you know, I spent 17 days there, and those 70 days would have been a lot darker, I think, without him um, than than what they were with him. Now that you've met Larry, you like him better, though, right? <laughs> Obviously, right? I, I don't know Larry that well yet. <laughs> I don't know Larry that well yet. We we have a long uh we have a uh stack full of uh alcohol back there. So maybe I can <laughs> maybe I can start peeling back the layers from Larry tonight. So um so uh like I said, he wrote part of the book. Um what was that experience right for you just writing a book and opening up that much of yourself and putting you it know, out there? I um I remember two weeks before it was all done. Two weeks before we were getting the shipment of books to send out to that first Kickstarter group. And I thought to myself, I, I, I had a breakdown. I said that I had too much, that I not add enough, that I leave stuff out that I should have put in. And I went through the list just contradicting everything I put in. And my dad looked at me and said, stop. He, re- he, he had read it a couple times before that and said, it's great. It's perfect. And that's exactly what I need to hear. Um, but hearing from those that read it you know that first couple those first couple days i had two friends that actually wrote it read it um uh that first day they got it when i got home from work and at like 2 a.m i got a text that said they finished it and they loved it and that put that put everything to rest i was happy um and i think it was you know around the same time we were getting ready to release it that i realized that i put a lot out there um some heart some dark moments um, I kind of, you know, maybe as a, you know, young man, you don't want to put all that out there for people to read. Um, but the messages we got from people have been second to none. And I realized that it was everything why I did it. You know, people help people saying the book has helped them in their fight for sobriety, fight against addiction, fight against anxiety, um, fight against depression um it it's it's made it all so so worth it and it's so powerful to hear that um um and it's really cool to hear that uh um and it's made the process all all the worth it
part of you being hesitant maybe to put it out wasn't just because it wasn't perfect, but because you were exposing so much of yourself. Yeah. Think? Yeah. Yeah. I think I was, you know, I, I, so, so the story went, the story went that I met my co-author Todd in 2011, the day with the Stanley Cup, the the Bruins, Andrew Ferencz's day with the Stanley Cup after they won. He invited my family over, me and my dad over to Spalding where he was going to bring the Stanley Cup to show a bunch of the patients over there. Uh, Todd at the time was helping out with Team Hoyt. I reckon Decoit, that team was invited. I met Todd and we struck up a conversation. He knew the story a little bit. I, he, he said, you should write a book. And I said to myself, I said, I'm not I'm flattered. I said, I'm not ready yet. But being with Team Hoyt and me running the marathon, we'd see each other every marathon. And he'd kind of whisper in my ear, you should write a book, you should write a book. I said, I'm not ready yet, I'm not ready yet, I'm not ready yet. And then finally, senior spring at college uh, in April, I didn't have anything lined up after, after, uh, after for the summer. And I thought to myself, if I go home without a plan or a job with a degree, and my parents are going to kill me. <laughs> so I started writing just, um, just nonsense about stories and memories and what I want the book to look like, how I want it to flow, just rambling for um, on Microsoft Word for you know, 30 or so pages, just rambling. And I sent him a text, you know, a couple weeks after graduation. I said, it's time. And uh, he loved it. He said, this is how you write a book. And we started in September of that year, so September of 16. He um, he would read it. Uh, we, like, we'd, we'd jump on a call together. He'd record it. He would read uh, read what I wrote, ask questions. I'd answer, um, just getting more detail out. He would then send me the recording. I would dictate the recording out, uh, transcribe it out, so you could just kind of flip through it and see. Then we started piecing it, you know, together uh, from there after about a year and a half. Um, so it, it, it took a little bit, you know, to get it going, um, but you know, it, it was definitely worth it. The way the way it was all worth it, and I was so happy, you know, when he finally Todd called me and said, you know, he pieced together the first chapter, uh, and on Christmas of uh, 2017. And he called and he said, you know, are you sitting down? And I said, no, of course I'm sitting down. Um, and uh, and uh, he read me the first chapter. And at the end of the first chapter, I thought to myself, what happens to this kid? You know, what, what goes on? Like, what happens next? And I thought to myself, I said, well, I am this kid. I know how it goes, um, but it, it, was, it was perfect. I was so excited. So excited. So as a storyteller, you took, took a backseat to it and actually listened yeah, to it. So yeah, I, yeah. I, got to, I listened to the first chapter, and, I, and it, it just, it, the way it, the way it was written and the way that we pieced it together was uh, just perfect. Just perfect. After that experience, is that something you could see yourself doing again that you want to do? You know, I, I, I'd love, you know, down the road, you know, who knows what happens in the next five or ten years. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, line change volume one is the only story. You know, I, I'm hoping down the road uh, the foundation takes off. Uh, who knows what happens with me? I, I think we could really put together a, a, a solid, you know, second edition, um, you know, a few years down the road or something. Throughout your journey, the Boston sports teams have been very supportive of you. Have there been any uh, of these athletes that really made an impression on you or helped you or did something? Yeah, you know? it, the Bruins have been just phenomenal. I think, you know, your hockey accident, hometown hockey team. Um, but I, I, I'm telling you, I am – Extremely lucky to have guys of that caliber in my corner, you know, cheering me on and, you know, checking in on me and seeing how I'm doing. And uh, no one's been better than Patrice Bergeron. His, he was the first jersey I received at, at Children's 
I think before I even woke up, uh, and he this, he was probably only 24 at the time, you know. So he took time out of his day to to write a handwritten note. Um, he had a bad concussion a year and a half before that, so he 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 was letting me know that the the be patient and stay positive, um, and just just those four words, you know, really have gone a long way. Uh, and I met him down at down at the Shepherd Center when they visited Atlanta, and it's so funny to think about and to see where our relationship has gone from me asking all the questions of, you know, the first time meeting an NHL player and to now where we, we're asking about each other's families and really checking in as friends would do um, every once in a while. So it's really cool to see how that uh, that has, you know, grown. But then a, a bunch of the rest of the guys have just been great. Zeno Char has been great to us. He, um, he came out to a pasta dinner um, when I was still at when I was still in a uh, children's hospital, uh, a week or two after I got hurt, he walked through the door and the guys just went nuts and went crazy and sort of took time out of his day. And then these guys are just hockey players are are the best. It must be interesting to see them just as regular people that are your friends now. Yeah, it's um, it's it's weird. It, it it's definitely taken a bit to kind of to kind of get to that you know area where. You know, you, you don't. I'm not freaking out as much as, definitely as much as I used to. <laughs> it, it's more of a, um, it's more of just a cool catching up with with friends feeling. What are what are some of the other goals you're trying? I know you have the charity, just goals you want to accomplish. Yeah. And yeah. No, I um, I think with the with the foundation, you know, it, it'll take forever to catch them or to be as you know, as accomplished as as these foundations. But the Travis Roy Foundation. Uh, and the Thomas E. Smith Foundation, our foundation that I want to um, kind of mock uh, my foundation off of and just get out there and help as many people as possible. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy, we keep running the Boston Marathon every year. Um, me, and my, me and my running partner, Lucas Carr. And, uh, you know, I always say, like, where can you get a standing ovation for four and a half hours of people screaming your name and cheering you on? Uh, I, uh, we've, I'm telling you, we've run it in every type of weather uh, condition possible. 95 degrees, uh, 40 in, uh, raining sideways. We did perfect weather, 65 degrees, um, overcast. We've done it all. So this year I'm hoping for a 60-degree day, just a nice tail breeze and, and to, to enjoy the day. How many have you done now? It's uh, We've done six Boston, two New York, and... One Hyannis Marathon. Wow. It's nine. So this year will be uh, uh, two hands. Uh, I, I, I d- double figures, not two hands. You need two, two hands to count to that. To count to nine. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be uh, double digits this year. Amazing. Do you have any that stand out as your favorite? Uh, the marathon after the bombing was uh, an amazing, an amazing uh, day. Uh, I didn't run the year of the bombing, but Luke did. And... The year before, it was in like 95 degrees. So our, our only marathon time we had at the at, – had a, at, at our only Boston time um, at the time was four hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds. We ran Hyannis, you know, earlier in uh, 2011 or 2012, uh, in like the mid-fours. And starting off on that year after the bombing, um, it was a beautiful day. Uh not a cloud, a perfect overcast, uh, overcast sky, 65 degrees, and normally when we ran, you know, the 
the year before, uh, years before, you know, the elite women would meet us. They'd pass us at mile four, mile five, maybe mile six. We were into, we were up almost at a mile 11 or mile 12, um, and we hadn't seen them yet. And Luke was motivated that year, and it was the first year that I, um, or since that year, I don't run with uh, headphones anymore. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been to text and uh, to communicate, but I don't listen to music. The crowd has been so, so unbelievable since, um, you know, since then. It's, it's impossible not to just get energized off of that. Um, and we ran it that year in three hours and 30 minutes. Um, clearly our best, our best time. And, um, it was amazing. And, uh, that's one that I'll never forget. And I think on the opposite end, it was, um, two years ago, uh, when it was raining and, um, the gun went off and we went down the hill, Hoppington, and it started to rain so bad that I thought to myself, there's no way it can rain for four and a half hours. I had a Gore-Tex suit. I had a gray sweatshirt on, gray sweatpants on underneath, and we took them off. I was wet um, from the rain up to my knees and down to my belly button uh, and my elbows. The rain was going so sideways that it was getting in through the hood and up through my pants that um, I was soaked. Um, So I vowed I'd never run it uh, if if it was raining that uh, (laughs) that bad again. You like challenges, but you don't need the. No, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I. That was something that you know. It, it's funny to look back on, and it's great to say that you did it that year, but never again. <laughs> it was miserable. Ray's running his first uh, coming up in April. Are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah Are first you? one. Yeah. How's training going? It's going good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Any advice for me? Um, I think the coolest thing for you is that. Uh, the, the whole day is going to be unbelievable. Um, but about halfway is Wellesley College. Um, and you'll hear it about a mile out, a faint kind of roar. And you think to, you'll think to yourself, what's that? And it's going to get louder and louder and louder as you get closer. Um, and you pass it. And it is 2,000 to 3,000 screaming young co-eds just going nuts and it is the loudest and one of the most uplifting uh parts of the race and it, it, it'll be a part where you think you're gonna need it and it's it, it's unbelievable it's so you'll remember that the hills are gonna be you'll remember them for how sore you are on a tuesday morning um uh, but and then boylston street just take it all in you know if you if you don't have a time that you're committed to take it in Take it in, take in Boylston as you're running the last, you know, three tenths, four tenths of a mile. It's 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 one of the coolest. Um, I, I'm just thinking about it now. It's it's it happens every year. It's just looking side to side. It's it's amazing. So I'm very excited to got to talk to you today. I mean, uh, just to be totally honest, before coming here, I thought I was having a bad day, and seeing your how inspiring and you know positive you are, I realize I got to let some of that stuff go. Oh, and focus on what matters, yeah. you know. So just, you know, what advice would you have for someone that is going through a tragedy, whether it's like physical or mental, and they think they can't get through it? They, uh, you know, when I, when I talk to these, you know, schools and organizations, you know, I talk about how I'm not the only one that faces adversity. Everyone faces adversity in some way, somehow, whether it's, you know, at work, in the living room, 
at school, on the track field, on the on the football field, on the on the rink. You know, it's so important to you know not be afraid to lean on those around you for support. But you got to be there for those that need it the most. You know, just just as much as you're going through it. So it, it's a it's a it's a full circle thing. Um, and then just don't don't let this negative creep in and take you, you know, uh, take you places where you, you don't want to be because there is so much good in this world and you have one life and it, as corny as it sounds, like it's time to live it up and just live it to the fullest. You know, let the little stuff go and really just, you know, day by day, hour by hour um, and, and, and never, never quit. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. Huge thanks to Matt Brown for doing both the podcast and the on-air segment with us. To watch Shannon Malaire's piece, go to NBC10Boston.com and search Matt Brown. Big thanks to this show's editor and co-producer, Larry Doherty, for not only co-hosting this episode, but for setting up both interviews with Matt. Huge thanks to Johnny for writing, performing, and producing the theme song to this show. It's called Everything Else, and you can find it anywhere you listen to your music. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give us five stars. Until next time, peace. NBC Television. Mm-hmm.